As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Welcome back to the show, Built to Last. I'm so excited for today's guest. I have got financial expert Nicole Overcamp with us today. I've got a lot of questions for Nicole because finances and money and wealth building is, you know, I wouldn't say that it's maybe it is still a taboo subject, but it's definitely a subject that I don't think we have a lot enough conversations around in women's entrepreneurial circles. And we have so many more women who are starting and leading businesses today. And it's so important that we're being wise financial stewards of our our money, the money that's coming in and out of our businesses, the money that's coming in and out of our lives. So I'm really excited to dive in today with you, Nicole. So welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So fill us in on some of the gaps. Tell us your story. How did you get into this industry of being a financial expert? And where does your passion really come from in terms of serving people in this category? Yeah. So I I actually have been uh, in the industry, in the business since I was 21. So I started really young and just fell in love with the idea of being able to help people, but also run a business. You know, um, I, I was fascinated with the combination of that. And from a young age, and I grew up in a single parent home, I always saw my mom struggle. I saw her make decisions that uh, she didn't necessarily want to do, but she did it for us. For example, being with men that she wasn't uh, in love with, but she knew that's how she could take care of us, right? It was always, we were her priority, but in doing so, she was pigeoned into these decisions that were kind of crappy. And a lot of it was because she didn't have the confidence. She didn't have the tools at her disposal. And back then it wasn't um, common speak to talk about money, to go get a job after you've been a stay-at-home mom forever and your husband leaves you. And you know, no one talked about the dirty laundry and it wasn't as normalized as it is right now. And so uh, from when I was a little girl, you know, I made this pact to myself that I am never, ever going to be in a position where I can't control what I want, where I'm not in control and and don't have the power of getting what I want and having that independence and having that freedom. And so that's what what got me interested in, I I suppose, saving and investing in, in money. I've always worked a number of jobs and, uh, it was important to me to have that. And so uh, when I, I started working as an assistant for a financial advisor, it was one of my like four jobs during college. Uh, it ended just being a, a serendipitous uh, relationship where I, I was able to get started. And then, unfortunately, where I started is one of those like typical uh, hoorah, bro environment, large financial firms. And I mean, I learned a lot of like uh, life lessons of how the real world works and, and all that. But um, in going through that, 
that and in, in working with a, a bunch of narcissists and in seeing that uh, it was fascinating how they talked to couples and how women were left out of the conversation, how they treated me, how I was treated differently. And, and just the combination of all of that really fueled my fire in terms of like, oh my God, I, I need to do better. I can do better. And it's really time to, to make that pivot and, and start to serve in a way uh, where I know there's this huge gap. Awesome. I love that. I love that. You know, in the entrepreneurial space, you and I have been in this space. We've worked with other entrepreneurs mm-hmm. too. And I've, I've always found it so fascinating to study people and specifically to study entrepreneurs. And, you know, there's no shortage of trainings and programs and coaches and mentors out there. There's no shortage of resources and information. Mm-hmm. But we, we all know, you know, whether we've experienced struggles in the financial department and wealth building department, or we have watched other people just become financially successful in what seems like overnight. From your perspective and your observation, why are some women able to figure it out and go from wherever they were broke or just getting by to now I'm a millionaire? Mm-hmm. versus the women who struggle year after year after year after year, even though both have access to the same resources, what what's the difference between like those two people? I think the biggest difference that I see, that I've experienced, that I go through is the women who make it, who turn their business into million dollar companies or empires and have the personal wealth to show it. It's very different between revenues and profits, which I'm sure we can dig into that too, because um, we should. But the the biggest difference is the women who have the success and those that do not are the, the women who ask for help. They are the women who ask for help and execute. And the women who do not are the ones who are either afraid to invest in themselves. They are holding their shame and embarrassment and afraid of being exposed. They are too proud uh, or they think they're just going to figure it out on their own. And the reality of it is, and I can speak to this from a very personal level, is that if we want to grow our business in an explosive way and avoid a lot of the painful, very expensive mistakes, Megan, I'm sure you know you can relate to that as well, right? Um, the best way to do that and to sidestep is to ask for help and hire help because regardless of the resources out there, um, information is great, but very rarely do we execute on it and know how, right? Um, and, and so the differentiator is getting help, hiring a pro in the area that you know you have the biggest gaps. Yeah. Yeah. I'll share a quick, just personal story to also back that up. Um, You know, I've been in the entrepreneurial space for 10 years and it wasn't until last year in late January or early February that I decided to get really serious about my finances and not just serious about my finances, but also serious about the wealth building side. And to your point, the information is out there and there's no shortage of accessing that information, but I wasn't executing on that. And I I had attended, so I I hired a financial coach and the way that came about, I was at an event and we were doing this exercise where you wrote down a problem and then we got into groups and we were talking about it. 
And I wrote down on my sheet of paper that one of my problems I needed to solve was that I had credit card debt. And that was like this big problem. And when we were in our small groups discussing it, I was like, wait a minute, my problem is not that I have credit card debt. My problem is that I don't have a plan to pay it off. And I'm not executing on all the plans that I had developed all these years prior. And so I thought, okay, what's got to change? What has to change is I need somebody to help me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I've got to go find somebody who's going to help me do this and kind of hold my feet to the fire. Somebody I can be accountable to and somebody who's wiser in this category than I am right now. And it, you are absolutely right. My money situation, and I'm going to, we're going to get into the revenue conversation next. My money situation on the back end of business and life didn't change until I asked for help specifically in that category. So it's so true. Anybody listening, like go ask for help. You can go reach out to Nicole. We'll talk about that at the end today. Let's dive into what is the difference between building revenue, going after these big revenue months and these big revenue years, you know, over and over and over again, and kind of like chasing the dollar yeah. versus managing your money in a really wise way on the back end. and. And taking the perspective of building your wealth, those are two different worlds. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So revenue is what we hear everyone brag about. It's what the highlight reels are on social media and why we ask ourselves, like, what am I doing wrong? Like, why are they exploding? And they're making seven figures and, you know, or having 100K months and I'm not there yet. Like, what am I doing? And um, what what we don't know about that situation is we don't know how much they're spending. So revenue is is really truly meaningless without all of the backup. Okay, and so it's great to have high revenue numbers, but if your expenses are equal to your revenue or exceeding you're actually not making any money. And so what is important to figure out is what do you need in your business to take home a profit? What do you need to keep? And so it's about looking at your your targets and your goals and actually asking the question and, and going through this reverse engineer process. It's so much fun, you know, digging into all the number details, right? Everybody's probably cringing right now, but but truly looking at your business structure, your model. Um, are you spending money in areas that actually aren't getting you a return on your investment, but it sounded like the right thing to do where you thought you should do it? That word should comes up a lot in business and we need to get curious about why um, and, and really getting super definitive on what is producing, what is not, what's getting a return, what is not, what is making an impact. And most importantly, making sure you're paying yourself first, you're profiting first, and then moving forward from there. Because so often I hear um, all of these, a lot of women, uh, of course, it's mostly who I work with, but in business saying like, I make all this money. Where the hell does it go? Like, I feel like I work so hard. I bust my butt. I'm going nonstop and I have nothing to show for it, which is where sometimes a lot of those feelings of shame come from and why women resist asking for help because they're, they're like, what is somebody going to think of me? And, um, and, and this is not 
simple stuff. It is not something that most of us learn. And when you're in business in a quickly growing business, sometimes it's easy to let the wheels fall off. And so, um, you know, it's, it's really reining it in and, and taking a look at that. And, and especially your pricing structure, are you charging enough? A lot of times uh, we don't, we don't discount, uh, or I'm sorry, we, we discount too much. We don't take into consideration time outside of client time if you're a service-based business. And, and truly just like what all of that looks like and, and most importantly, um, if you're if you're paying yourself and putting that profit first, you have to, to keep it and not spend it and then have an action plan behind that. To your point earlier, Megan, like building wealth, building wealth means not only taking a profit, but having a place for it to go, having a a goal behind that. And so sometimes it's really just starting with a a lot of those basics and, and asking yourself, like, what do I want? What's really important to me? What do I want to achieve? And then building from there to see how your business can support that. And more importantly, the structure of your company. Yeah, this is such an interesting conversation. I uh, I actually had a, a call with a client of mine. I think it was two days ago. And it was a kind of an extra call because we were chatting on Voxer. And she was mm-hmm. talking about exactly what you just said, yeah. where she is making multiple six figures. But she's looking at the bottom line. She's looking at her expenses and she's she's like overspending. She's not even paying herself. And yeah. so I was like, okay, you know, I can't just give you advice over Voxer without actually seeing all your numbers. So mm-hmm. you need to like bring the numbers to the table. Let's take a look at it. Let's see like where we were specifically looking at team. And mm-hmm. here's here's where I'm noticing a lot of women entrepreneurs who have made like really great money in their business and they've gotten over the hump of getting to their first six figure year. And maybe they've gotten over the hump and now they're at like 200 K ish. And what I see a lot of people doing is hiring team, which I'm all about hiring team Mm -hmm. in order to have a long-term sustainable business. At some point team is going to play a role in your company. It can't just be you or else you're not really running a company. You're a solopreneur and and just stay there. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. How can we as women business owners be much more discerning about when we are investing, whether it's in a mentor or team or a tool or paid advertising? Like these are all things that do help the company grow. And I'm going to add a little bit more to this, Nicole. Part of where my question is coming from is there are a lot of marketing messages out there that's like, uh, you have a bad mindset. If you're not investing in yourself or you should be willing to put it on a credit card or go find the money in order to get into this program, or um, it's never about the money. It's not that you don't have the money. It's that you're just not willing to say yes to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I get all that. And I'm just going to play devil's advocate a little bit. I think that that has provided a lot of misguidedness to a lot of women entrepreneurs and they're biting off more than they can chew. And they're finding themselves in a position where they're either breaking even or they are losing money, Mm -hmm. but they've done all this investing. They've bought all the programs. They've hired all the team, but yet they don't actually have the proven sale leads and sales coming in to be able to keep up with that. So and, it, and again, it's like, we're kind of like shamed if we're not thinking in abundance and thinking in expansion and making all these decisions. Like you've got a bad mindset if you're not doing that. 
And I'm noticing that a lot of women are finding themselves kind of caught in between these two worlds. And Mm -hmm. so they want to go do all these things. So they're not being shamed for not investing Mm -hmm. all that money, but then nobody's actually helping them on the back end with, do you have the money to cover that for the next three, six, nine, 12 months? And then they get like all up in arms because now it's spreadsheets and now it's numbers. And I don't know. And I hear a whole lot of, I don't know. Yeah. Um, So educate us on this. Oh, okay. So a few layers there actually. So, so first is, and I'm just going to say a few words is why the gap and then the background, right? So, so first of all, the, the, self-awareness. Okay. It is really important for you to be self-aware. And when I say that, I mean, what is your zone of genius and what are your zones of competence? And you should have a definitive separation of those things. Your zone of genius is what only you can do, only you should be doing. Maybe that is the sales process. Maybe it is, is the brand of your company and talking or whatever that is. And, and the first thing is to look at that and say, how can I build a system or a team that allows me to only focus on my zone of genius, not my zone of competence? And then in your zone of competence, what are you really bad at? What don't you like doing? And what are you good at? They're three different things. And so when looking at hiring a team, right, because to your point, you're truly not an entrepreneur unless you build a company that can operate without you. You're a freelancer and there's nothing wrong with that. But knowing the difference is important. Um, you you need to look to the person who is is in the the first quadrant of you really suck at right and hiring that person and what i find with women is they don't take the step back to work on the self awareness and learning who's your first and most strategic hire that will get you your best return we look to who's my friend and who just came to me and said they could help me in my business. And I'm feeling really overextended and I just want to put out a fire. And since we have a good report and she seems nice, I'll hire her. And it happens over and over again without asking like, why am I hiring this person and who do they have to offer? Will they fill that black hole in my business or not? What is the return? And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's being really strategic about your, your, your team and having that self-awareness. And so there's where the gap comes in. Like, what are the gaps? And then um, second to that is um, when, when you're hiring in, in those black holes, you should be able to know, well, if they're freeing up, this is how you figure out the value. How can you afford them? If they're freeing up something that takes you 10 hours a week, to do your zone of genius, can you make another 15,000 to pay five, right? Um, That's what you want to look at is is the time and how you're using it. And so actually a terrific exercise to go through is a time awareness log. And like literally from start, it's like from when you wake up in the morning and till you go to bed, like log everything and how long it takes you. Like even when you like take a break to pee, like log it all um, because it'll give you so many golden answers in in terms of what you need to do there. Um, So, so that's taking that, that part of it. And then to, to your question, Megan, in terms of like, um, well, shoot, like there's all these courses and coaches and I need to invest in that. If I'm not spending 10 K on a course or a coach or whatever, the, like I'm failing. And, and so, yes, 
It's important to invest in yourself and your business and hire a coach. But I hear this all the time, and you probably do too, Megan, is like, oh, this course came across and it sounded like a really good thing to do. So I paid for it and it was $3,500. And um, and I did this and I did this. And, and a lot of times we buy courses or work with coaches because we're lacking confidence and it's for our own edification. But it might not be getting us the actual result we're seeking. It just feels good to do it. Hmm. And so that's the why is if you're hiring a coach or if you're taking a course, I want you to ask yourself, why? Why specifically are you doing that? Is it because you're lacking confidence and you're not giving yourself enough credit for what you already know how, like know what to do, right? Or you feel like, well, I I haven't been a coach for that long. I just got started. So I need this certification to validate me so that I can charge X price. When in reality, girlfriend, you've got 20 years of experience and you just weren't working on your own quite yet. Like, you know, you really have to understand the that why behind it. And then um, when you're looking at your business and those gaps and what you need and what you're shortfalls are, what specifically is that? Is it a lead generation problem? Is it a sales problem? Is it a a leadership problem? Like whatever that is, then you need to seek the specific coach who's going to help you with that. Um, You know, or maybe you're great at all of those things, but you really don't know where your money is going and you need help with the numbers. So you don't need uh, a business coach. Maybe you do need a money coach or a financial planner or what have you, someone who specializes in your industry. And so asking those questions and making sure that you're investing in the right person to get the return you're seeking is so critical because I, I see it time and time again, where women invest, invest, quote unquote, this money and, and it's wasted because it's not really filling the void or, or getting them the result that they were looking for. It was almost like throwing a dart at the wall because they just didn't know what else to do. And so, um, really important to ask yourself why you're you're seeking uh, that person, why you're going to enroll in it. And is it going to yield you the result that you're looking for? Or are you just making yourself feel good as like a temporary band-aid? Um, you know, and, and then looking at the the numbers and, and behind the scenes, like, can I afford this? And, and what does that look like? Um, knowing your numbers is so important and we overcomplicate it all the time, you know, and, and looking at that. And so I think, you know, the more you pay attention and understand your numbers, the easier it is to take those calculated risks in in people. But but you you can't uh, uh, do that essentially until you know and you're self-aware of of what those gaps are and in what it all looks like and in filling all of that out because it, you know and, and it goes down to your time too right like the two resources time and money that we always want more of the one that we can't make up is time uh in in knowing those things are so critical and in, in moving ahead, but moving ahead in a profitable way, moving ahead in a strategic way and and really uh, building a a moat around you of a support system that's going to help elevate you versus just burn cash. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. This is like a mic drop moment because I believe all of us have probably experienced what you just described around joining a program or hiring a coach or a done for you service, anything that we're investing in. Yeah. Because it feels good in the moment, Mm -hmm. but what we're not doing is taking the time, like you said, to be self-aware, ask ourselves a set of questions and be much more wise and discerning in our decision-making and not coming from this place of like a frenetic 
frantic, frazzled place and energy. Sometimes I think we, you know, we let ourselves get to this place where, you know, we're barely getting by or something's just not working or something's not working fast enough. And we just want to like find a solution really, really fast. And we just say yes to the first thing that's in front of us. And then, you know, we all hear in this industry, uh, you know, that coach sucks, that program sucks. I didn't get the result. When in reality, I think oftentimes it was, you know, everybody, you know, takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. But I think that the person who joined the program, to your point, it's not actually what they or their business needed in that particular moment. So, of course, it didn't deliver on, on results because it's not what they needed at that time. So I, that's such a fact. That's exactly. so fascinating. I'm so glad that you broke that down. And the way you did, I even wrote down why the gap and the background. Um, that's like so profound. It, it, it really does circle back to self-awareness first and foremost and not making rash decisions, you know, um, and collecting all the facts that you need to collect about what you're saying yes to. Okay. Here's my next question about building wealth. Um, let's say that you're working with uh, an entrepreneur and they've got a, let's say they have like a, you know, a six figure or multiple six figure business, but they have debt and they, they, maybe it's credit card debt or they owe on taxes that they're paying. They're on the payment plan, or maybe they've got a car, they have a house, whatever they've got debt to pay off. And it's a lot of personal debt. And yet let's say they are, you know, middle age or past middle age, I tend to work predominantly. I say the average age of who I work with is probably 50 years old. And they're kind of staring down this pipeline of, I have fewer years ahead of me than I have behind me. And their wealth starts to become a much different type of conversation now that they're having with themselves that didn't like, like it did when they were 25 or 30. So this person has debt, they're in the second stage of life, and they're not currently investing. And they're starting to look at Okay, if my predominant way of making money is by providing this service in my company and I'm kind of trading dollars for hours, even though I'm making good money, at what point do I start looking at investing in other projects, whether it's real estate or it's crypto or it's uh, stock market or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. When is it the right time to start looking at building your wealth through investing if you have? A substantial amount of personal debt. I think, uh, you know, and to answer your question, the right time to start investing in, and we'll use the the stock market for example, because I think that's the easiest thing. It's it's the most uh, readily available liquid, so on and so forth. Um, is you want to start investing and in setting money aside, whether it is in a retirement account or a non retirement account, day one. Day one, I don't care how much debt you have. Um, I don't care what your circumstances. You that is part of paying yourself first, okay? Um, and your lifestyle should adjust accordingly. And so the reality of it is, is that uh, if you retire debt free, but you don't have anything saved, I can't help you. And and you can't make up for that time value of money and compounding growth and interest. And so um, if you start to, even if it's three, five percent and it's pre-tax going into a retirement account, you probably won't feel the difference much, um, but it's growing over time and snowball, right? That snowball effect of, of compound interest and how that 
works in the market. And so, and, and if you have a lot of debt, it's okay to shift dollar amounts. So for example, if you start investing from day one and you're you're just doing a little bit and taking larger chunks to pay off the debt, and then once you hit benchmarks, you can increase your investments. So, um, you know, it, it's important to keep that in mind because if retiring with debt is not a bad thing, what's uh, catastrophic is retiring without any assets to live off of. You know, you, if you have assets in, in other forms of income, be it in the stock market or real estate or whatever the case may be, you can still pay your debt. No big deal. Um, you know, but but being debt free in, in completely naked asset wise puts you in a really precarious position. And so um, that's that's really important to think about. And, and as an entrepreneur, sometimes we have this false sense of security uh, with our business and saying, well, I'll just sell it or I'll I'll just work forever. And, you know, I'm going to call, am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah. Okay. I'm allowed to call bullshit. Uh, is, is that like, that's not a, a very solid foundation. And, and so, yes, you may work forever. God willing, your health doesn't change or, or you don't burn out. Um, or, you know, what if you can't sell your business? What if nobody wants it? You know, you have to build other assets and, um, and investing in, in those pockets while paying off debt and, and, and then knowing what kind of debt you have, how can you pay it off quickly and effectively all the while and investing on the side? Not all debt is bad. I think it's like pounded into our head um, that like you have to get rid of it quickly. And, um, you know, being debt free is like the way to be. And like, maybe it's not. Um, there's lots of entrepreneurs who make millions of dollars and build millions and millions of dollars of wealth using debt or leveraging it. And so I think that, you know, to just like bust that myth is, is sometimes it's okay. Like if you have a very low mortgage interest rate and you're making more money in the market, why hurry to pay it off? Um, you know, and, and same with student loan debt or anything else, you know, credit cards are a little bit different. You, you know, that's not a good thing to carry and, and it hurts your credit. Um, but, but knowing what kinds of debt you have, knowing your return, knowing what you can do with those assets, as long as you're taking other money and investing it in store, it and not spending it on things that aren't getting you closer to your goal. That's what's really, really important, you know. And I, and I think the older we get, we the more scared we get that we're making the wrong decision, you know, and inside stepping or what have you. And and what I find happens, especially with women in, in their 40s and 50s, is they can get paralyzed and and do nothing uh, sometimes for for a year or two. Which again, that's a year or two of of really solid um, action that that could have happened and impact. So um, you know, the best thing that that you can ever do in that scenario is just like put your best foot forward and and ask for help if you need to, but but then do something and really figuring that out. Yeah, yeah. So it's being proactive. It's being conscious. Yeah. It's being in alignment with what you know you want to create long term mm -hmm. in terms of your wealth once you are, right. you know, at a later stage in life, which leads me to my next question. Sure. You know, we're all feeling the effects of inflation and what is going on in our country in the United States right now. You know, we live in the US, so I don't know what it's like financially in other countries. We do have a lot of listeners from other countries here. I imagine, you know, some maybe they're seeing similar things that we are, but I, I you know, I don't know about where you live, but here in Florida, uh, it's not expensive to live here. It's not the most expensive state to live in, right? Like if you're in Miami, obviously more expensive. Our gas and our food and our, you know, utility bills, but predominantly like restaurant, grocery store, gas, it's probably 30 to 40% higher than it was six months ago, uh, a year ago. We're all entrepreneurs here listening to this. 
everybody in this country is experiencing inflation, right? Like everybody's bills are going up in, in many categories. How do we plan and prepare for that? Because it's not going to be the last time. And we don't know how much higher it's going to go. We don't know what it's going to end. There's so much uncertainty in our economics right now. Yeah. As entrepreneurs, how do we plan for that? How do we protect ourselves from that? What do we need to be thinking right now as an entrepreneur based on the climate of what's going on in our world? Yeah. So um, it is a it's a difficult time. It's going to be a difficult year. Uh, prices will go up, like especially with what's going on in geopolitical uh, issues. Fuel's going to get higher, uh, which makes everything higher. So instead of what we were hoping for, is that coming down? I uh, would be shocked if it does. Uh, oh, yeah. Know, I think they're saying gas is going to get up to like so, five to six bucks a yes. gallon. Yeah, yeah. It's actually already priced in to be $5 a gallon. Uh, interestingly enough, I yesterday I listened to a expert in um, all he does is buy futures contracts on uh, oil. And he said what, what is going into the refineries right now, where the U.S. is now buying their oil from, of course, going outside of the country, um, is uh, it, it's priced into now be $5 a gallon. So it's just a matter of of when. I think it's already at $5 a gallon in California, um, you know, and, and we're just not feeling it yet in, in all the areas. And so knowing that and knowing how bad it's going to get truly, you know, and and um, not to, to be pessimistic, but I think setting realistic expectations is really helpful. And so as an entrepreneur, you want to, one, um, be extremely intentional right now. And so what I mean by that is be intentional with where your money is going, how you're spending your money. Um, Look at your reserves and build that up. Build up your reserves where where you've got a little bit extra in cash maybe and and where you're investing, you might want to review that. So that one, you have extra cash on hand to buy up opportunities because when there are periods of time of volatility or poor economic conditions, guess who gets wealthier, right? People who have cash and have the fortitude to buy opportunities. And so when you're an entrepreneur, that could be real estate opportunities. It could be buying another business opportunity. It could be, um, you know, even just in, in the market. And so thinking about that, uh, but then also taking a realistic look at your business model and is it sustainable currently given the market conditions? Is it sustainable moving forward with increased costs? Do you need to go back to some of your vendors and renegotiate? Do you need to shop out some services? Um, do you need to reduce some of the things that you're currently utilizing or paying for? Um, and then do you, you know, you probably need to increase your prices. I think we all are, are in a period of time where we're doing that just because we can't avoid it with with how much everything really truly costs. So, um, you know, looking at all those things is is one important. And two, thinking it's going to get better uh, is very naive. It's not going to get better this year. And so, I think you have to be prepared for that, regardless of what we're hearing about, and and just being a realist, you know, um, and and really drilling down in some of those things, and and that will set you up for a much smoother ride, despite what, what pain we're, we're going to feel here, um, you know, in the, the near term and short term. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's close it out, Nicole. I would love for you to share maybe like your top, your top tips or your top habits or, you know, like the fundamental places where a woman entrepreneur really needs to get a handle on her, her, her wealth building, her money, mm-hmm. the ins and outs. Let's say, 
you know, someone's making, let's say they're making good money, but they're not actually managing their money. Maybe they're not following something like profit first. And maybe they're making a lot of their decisions based on, well, look, I know how much is coming in every month. I know about how much I sell every month. Intuitively, I kind of know what's going out. Um, you know, I think a lot of us were that way until we realized like that's not going to work long term. So let's say they're there. Like they kind of know, but if they worked with you, like they really wouldn't know, you know, unless they put it in a spreadsheet. Where should they start? What's the starting point for them to get a handle on this? Well, I think the the first is like there's a theme here, but ask for help. Like ask for help and, and, and commit to taking action on that. Like, just don't say you're going to do it. Like commit to the action of seeking the person that is going to help you fill your gap, whatever it is in your business. It is going to be different for everybody. Seeking that person and making sure they're the right fit for you um, is, is super important. And then, uh, you know, next to that is, is actually asking yourself what your goals are and why they're your goals. And so um, that why they're your goals is really important because that that will help you with the, the future you're creating. Uh, and oftentimes I hear entrepreneurs say, well, I just want to hit seven figures this year. Like why? Why is that important to you? What is it going to give you? What is it going to create for you? And, and getting granular on that, because if you don't, you're probably not going to hit it. And so understanding that, and, and that's actually a practice that I started to implement um, maybe six years ago-ish, uh, but I wasn't great at it. It was actually truly a practice and forcing myself to dig deeper. So I was more likely to be consistent and do the hard things when I didn't feel like it. That's a game changer right there. Um, is oftentimes when things get hard, if we don't know that why or, or know the outcome or know what we're capable of on a deep enough level, we're usually just going to let ourselves coast and stay in, in that comfort zone. So, so that's the next thing. And then the third is creating a really good routine. I cannot stress that enough is having a good routine um, and sticking to that because what we do every day matters more than, than what we do once in a while. And the only part of your day that you can actually truly control is your morning because we know very well that after that... It, it's in God's hands, right? Like we can have really good intentions, but, um, and so having a really good routine. And, and for me, it's having a good morning routine. I do the same thing every morning and it sets my day up for success. It sets my mind up for success so I can handle all the hard things that are going to come my way. They're unavoidable, uh, especially this year and being a financial advisor, like yikes. So when, when I do that and when I, I'm being mentally tough, physically healthy, I can handle all of the things a lot better. So I think those three things are are my my top tips. <laughs> I love that. And all doable. Yeah. They're all doable, especially yeah, with like you said, they're doable. Get help. Ask someone to help you and walk through that, walk through that process with you. So um, if you will share, who do you work with? Who's an ideal client for you? Uh, how do you work with people and how can people get in touch with you? So for us, an ideal client is, you know, it's more of a characteristic than a net worth. It's truly like we want to work with women who are ambitious. They have a delegator mindset. They value the, the education, the coaching, the planning, and they want to put themselves in a position where they're getting better. They have a bigger vision. They want to make an impact. And, and it's really important to them to always be working on that, that bigger picture, building their wealth or building their business, whatever 
whatever it may be. So um, that that is the type of women that women rather that we love working with. And, uh, you know, in age ranges, I mean, they're all over the board, I would say most are between 30 and 50, you know, that gap, but we've got some phenomenal outliers. And so um, and, and to get in touch with us, like the best way is probably Instagram, because in our bio, we have all of the links to everything that we're doing that we have going on. Um, and, and what it looks like to work with us depends on the relationship, you know, whether it's through powerhouse money coaching and a coaching relationship or a, uh, Wilcox financial and a financial advising relationship. It, it really depends on your goals, what you need. And, and if we're a good fit to fill that gap. So, um, we, we have a discovery call with, with everyone to see if it's a good fit on both ends. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. That is in the show notes below. So if you're listening to this and you want to go uh, check that out on Instagram, just click the link. You can go check that out. Also, I want you to plug your book. You've got a book. You have a book. Tell us about the book and where people can find that. So the link to buy the book is in the Instagram bio. If you are international and you're not in the US, you can buy it on Amazon as well. Uh, But the book is Money Bitch. So it's a a no BS guide for smart women who want to own their financial future. And it is literally a, a simple, fun to read guidebook on what you need to do to start building wealth, the questions you have to ask yourself and all of those important components. And, and they're told in story form. So like real life examples, real stories that you can relate to. And even the first part of the book is literally talking about like, saying no, you're not a bitch for saying no, setting those healthy boundaries. What does that look like? What's the impact of continuing to say yes to everything? Uh, asking for help doesn't mean you're helpless. Like I'm, I'm clearly a huge advocate of this because <laughs> I struggled with it myself for so long. Uh, you know, and then of course, all of the important financial planning pieces, but, but broken down in a way where it's simple to understand. So that way, uh, hopefully the, the thought behind this is like, you are, are um, excited to take action on some something that you know is is going to get you to the next step. Yeah. Amazing, Nicole. You have literally delivered an entire financial masterclass in like 42 minutes. So thank you so (laughs) much for being a guest on our show. Thank you so much for giving this conversation around money and wealth building and being a female entrepreneur, the airtime that it deserves. Thank you so much for the work you're doing in the world. We need more women to get access to this type of information and to imp- actually implement it. I think we have access yes. to information. Now the step <laughs> is like, take take action on the information and go get help and go link arms with someone like Nicole. You know, you know how to get in touch with her. Uh, she will let you know if it's a good fit or not. And if it's not, I'm sure she can send you in a, in a direction that would be great for you. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show today, Nicole. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.